everywhere I live. I'm Carrington Vanston. And I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Was I supposed to say that part? I think you were, yeah. Okay, good. There was a pause, so I just jumped in. <laughs> yep. Hello, Mike. Hello, Carrington. How are you? I'm excellent. A little hmm. frantic hurry. I, I literally have been home for three minutes now, I think, from, from work. Came in. Couldn't wait to talk to you. So oh, of course. Up the mic. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Also, could be that I'm running really late, so that's why, <laughs> but still. <laughs> and I'm excited to talk about um, this week's show. Should we, should we uh, do some feedback first? Yeah, why don't we start with that? Okay. Do you want to talk about feedback, or should I talk about feedback? Uh, well, we had feedback from somebody who I think knows you, so if you want to cover hers first, we'll just get started. Sure. Yeah, doesn't really know me in person, but I have exchanged email with her before. We got some feedback, gently chastising us from Quinn Dunkey. Uh, she's a Canadian, but I think I think she's an expat. I think she lives in the states now. I could be wrong about that. Well, we won't and, hold that against her. <laughs> no, well, I'm a I'm a dual citizen, so mm, okay. I, I feel Canadian, <laughs> but I'm technically both. Um, so she chastised us a bit for slagging on Todd Fry's port of Pac Man for the mm. 2600. Now I know listeners are probably wondering. How can anybody, anybody defend this port of Pac-Man for the 2600? Mike, defend your thoughts. Defend my thoughts? Defend how, how you slide, how you, you, all, you on your own, not me at all, totally you, said it was terrible. Yeah, just me, that's right. <laughs> that's the way I remember it. Well, and actually, um, I, I, I can't. Um, oh. I've never, well, I've never actually played that game. Um, what? This is, yeah, this is just, this is just based on, on you know, on the, the internets oh. and and hearsay. And I have seen my friends. I, I did see my friends play it when I was growing up, and I, I can tell you that it looked pretty, pretty terrible. That's oh. why Quinn had words for you, ah. Mike. Whereas I will defend our stance because um, uh, she was talking about how uh, at the time. There was they were doing a lot of drugs at Atari, <laughs> but also that you know he's got a good sense of humor about it, and and she rightfully points out that it was a game deemed pretty much impossible to port. That given the uh, the limitations of Atari of the twenty six hundred and of the cartridge, the whole idea of trying to get a, a faithful Pac Man with that many sprites moving at once and and the the AI logic involved to actually port that would be impossible. Like nobody wanted to touch it. So Todd was the only guy to rise to the occasion and give it a shot. That said, I still say the game sucks. I'm, and you know, he, I'm sure he's got a good sense of humor about it. She was also talking about, um, I can't remember his name, the fellow that did uh, Yar's Revenge mm-hmm. and the E.T. cartridge, you know, probably the, the both the Zenith and the Nader of, of cartridges. <laughs> and, and he, too, is supposed to have a, a really good sense of humor about these things. But the reality is, with all good intentions, it was a, a very difficult thing to do. And, you know, sometimes you fail big. I, I would stand behind, behind my... Uh, my uh, review of that cartridge being a big failure. <laughs> like, well, I think it's terrible. I would too. And, and I, I, I would probably, well, and in fact, I am open to that sort of feedback. I just, given that we just recently saw that Pac-Man 4K port. But that's crazy magic. That's like witch doctor voodoo stuff. Yeah. Well, but it also runs on an Atari 2600. So to say that porting the, porting Pac-Man over to the 2600 is impossible just isn't true because, 
we've seen an example of it. Now, granted, this is 30 years later, but the 2600 hasn't changed and neither has Pac-Man since then. I think the so. message is kids say no to drugs. That's right. And just, and just ignore everything that we say on the show. Exactly. Although Gwen is somebody worth listening to and looking at her um, her Hex Out project and the Veronica, the, the little computer that she's, I think, oh, not yes. quite completed yet. Crazy, crazy, super awesome stuff. Like, So she's somebody worth listening to more than us, actually. Well, yeah, definitely. After I after we got the email, I went and, and checked out her pages, and she's got some really awesome stuff there. Definitely worth wasting six or seven hours reading through everything that she's got there. 100%, yeah, and also yep. a very funny email writer. So, yeah, yep. so we're definitely worth hearing from. And it made good points, but I still say the game sucks. <laughs> so there, Quinn, That's so right. there. Um, and what else did we get feedback uh, We got an email, just a brief one, from Dr. Stephen Weirich. Who's that guy? Some of you Apple II users might know him as the guy who runs the Apple II History website. Oh, him. Yeah, that guy. So he just said, hey, I want to let you know I'm enjoying the podcast, waiting to hear the next one. Uh, my input on the first two, being uh, Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, is that one of the things that I also thought was amazing when they were new was that they were in, in glorious full color. I don't believe before Pac-Man that any arcade I was at had much to offer. That was in color and not just colorized monochrome. You know, that's um, a really good point. And something yeah. you forgot to mention, because I remember playing a lot of early games, and when there was color in things like Space Invaders, it would be an overlay on the screen that just sort of tinted the bottom part red and the top part blue, that sort of idea. Right, and and if you didn't have that, then you pretty much had the black and white of things like Pong and Asteroids. Yeah, so it's crazy. Like, that's it's such a big thing, but... It's so taken for granted now. It, I, I kind of forgot to even mention yeah, it or totally. even think about it. So yeah. really good point, Dr. Steve. Yeah. So thank you for writing us, Dr. Steve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have anything else this time around? We did. We got a few other ones as well. Let me pick one around. Oh, you know what? Uh, I like his name. Spitfire 1500 or maybe Spitfire 1500 <laughs> wrote us um, from – he gave us a really nice review in Atari Age. Atari Age forums been talking about podcasts and stuff oh, like yeah. that. And uh, he gave us a really nice shout out there, and, and I appreciate that. And cool. so I want to shout out back and say he's got his own podcast, um, a little bit of a competitor, I'd say, but I'm not threatened. I say we talk about him anyway. So he <laughs> um, does the classic console gamer news mm-hmm. over at ccg.podomatic.com. So it's a podomatic podcast. So if you're interested Great. in the classic console stuff, which presumably you would be if you're listening to this, you are all up on the classic game. So check out his stuff too. And also, with a name like Spitfire 1500, like how do you not want to listen to that? Guy? Right, you got to at least listen to at least one of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and or 1499 more than that. Right. Yes. So I say we move on. We got some yep. Twitter stuff too, but I'm yep. I'm anxious and eager to talk about this week's game, which is Sinistar, <laughs> picked by me, never played by you. Yeah, yeah. Let's 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 just go ahead and get this out of the way. <laughs> How did you do, Carrington? Oh, I oh, we're gonna jump right to high scores. Oh, yes. I did amazing. I teased you and said that I scored almost a million. That was a a, a vast overstatement, <laughs> unfortunately, but I still did quite well. Hmm? So let me scroll down and look at my little screenshot here. I did 700 and how do how do I read this? 750,050. So you still did quite a bit better than I did. I did awesome <laughs> is what you are mean to say. Well, that too. Yes. yes. Now yes. that was I played because I really like this game. I played the heck out of it since we last recorded. I have been playing and playing and we're recording um even a couple of days later than usual and so I give me more days to play although I got this high score um a few days ago. I think it was on Tuesday or so. So I just but I played and played and played this game. I haven't played in years and I loved it. <laughs> what about you? What have you got to compete to 700,000 and change? Well, here's the weird thing. I don't actually have have my specific score 
Uh, in MAME, I have it set normally so that uh, the games do the save states, so that when you go back into it, it just picks up where it left off. But for whatever reason, that didn't work with Sinistar, this, this oh. particular ROM, and I don't know why. So it was somewhere above 16,000. So we'll put you down as 10? <laughs> uh, no, we'll put me down as 17,000. We round up here, okay, Oh, Val? do we? Okay, I'm going to 17,000 with an asterisk. There you go. Asterisk. Yes. <laughs> Learning to pronounce words is fine. Yeah, so tell me, Carrington, how did you score such a fabulous high number? I, I, I'm going to have to just say natural talent. And uh, you know what the thing is? I started playing. I didn't have God-given this charisma. Inst- <laughs> <laughs> well, they're God and God taken away, Charisma. Right. I, I didn't have this installed on my little MAME unit that I've been playing on so far, the other games, instead. So I just fired this up on my Mac. And in fact, it's something I guess we could talk about later. We should eventually talk about the, the various emulators and ways to play these old games. And so since I was on a Mac, or, or MAME playing on Mac, not great experiences overall. Like, really just don't don't work very well. Right. But yeah. I was I was really... I was really bound and determined to to try to get this working. So I installed a new version of MAME that I hadn't played before, and it's got cheats. No, I'm kidding. It's got, <laughs> um, I'm trying to look at what I version this is. MAME 60. Anyway, it just runs through the terminal. So I had to install something else first, then I run this, and it runs uh, in terminal, and it ran a lot better. So I was playing on that for, for quite a bit. First using keyboard, then using a, a little plugged-in uh, joystick. And I was, I was doing okay, but not great. And... We'll get to it soon when we talk about, we should talk about Sinistar and its mechanics. But Sinistar is all about maneuverability. And in fact, the cabinet itself, it came in two forms, used, I think was the first instance of this, Williams came up with a special 49 position optical joystick. So we've been talking in these previous games about how simple the controls are. You've got one little joystick, a little four position joystick, and, and a couple of buttons or no button. Um, crazy simple controls. But this game is a game in which the enemies are faster than you. Every everybody's faster than you, and all your only advantage is you can maneuver. That that actually that actually seems to be a hallmark of, of Williams games is that they see they're, they're just in general whether it's Joust or Defender or this one they're a lot more difficult than than your standard video games. I want to hear your excuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what I did was get a um, a different joystick. I, I actually um, had in my little basket collection uh, not not one of the original forty nine position ones, but one that was a um, I think well, anyway a whole bunch more position ones. And I modified my a little cabinet, ripped apart the front, installed a different joystick, a different front end, and worked with that. And my game got way, way better. Oh, so you were cheating. I in see a sense, I cheated. I cheated with hardware. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. hey, that's, that's going to be this week's podcast slogan. Cheating with hardware. <laughs> right. And, and I, was, I was noticing that when I was playing on, on iMame on my iPad, I have a, a, a self-upgraded, I guess if you want to call it that, uh, stick and buttons for iMame, but... I had a really hard time controlling the ship. I mean, mm-hmm. it was either it was oversteering or or not turning enough, and I had a hard time hitting anything. I would just bounced off stuff. Um, and this game was actually kind of a frustrating experience for me because of that. Mm-hmm. And so. it's a game where you are you do bounce. In fact, let's talk about. Shall, shall I dive in and try to describe the gameplay since I am sure, yeah, clearly better at it than you? <laughs> That's just going to be the theme of this podcast, isn't it? How much better character is. Yeah, I like this episode. <laughs> so the display is divided into two parts. Mm-hmm. You've got a bottom area, which is really most of the screen. That's where the gameplay area is. And the top has a radar display along with the usual stuff like scores and lives and that kind of stuff. And the top also has an area that shows messages. 
which let you know about uh, developments during games, and it beeps when there's a new message. And then these little white circles that show how many crystals you've collected, and that's the point at the beginning of this game, because your avatar is a little little triangular ship, and that's what we were talking about, how you got this little ship, and you shoot laser blasts from the, from the front, and you are super maneuverable, if you have the right hacked joystick, it seems. <laughs> so, um, And the setting... In the gameplay takes place in is essentially an asteroid field. I think they call them planetoids, but I'm just use the word asteroid. Rolls off my tongue easier. Sure. And there's tons. So there's tons of floating rocks sailing all about, and also sailing about are dozens and dozens of alien enemies, and they're frantically, they're basically buzzing around you. And the enemy ships are faster than you, and that's one of the hallmarks of this game. You aren't the fa- like even right at the very beginning, you are not the fastest thing on the screen. So it's not like you start with a lot of games where you can outrun stuff. Here you can't. You you can't outrun you have to basically outmaneuver instead so the point of the game is it's basically twofold at the beginning you're mining these asteroids and you mine them by shooting them which makes them eject these tiny crystals and like how it works is you your shots add energy to the asteroid and they start to shake and when you add enough energy, then they start ejecting these little crystals, which are little tiny dots. They're even kind of hard to see because everything's so frantic. They'll keep ejecting them as long as you keep the energy up. But if you shoot too fast, then they blow up. So it's about during all this frantic buzzing and stuff, also picking an asteroid, firing at it, try to keep the energy level just up enough that you're going to get these crystals, but not so much that, that you wreck it. So you snag the crystals and then they turn into Cinnabombs, which is the only weapon that can hurt Sinistar, who is our um, eponymous uh, enemy here. So I mentioned before that there's the little enemies flying about, and most of the enemies are these little red worker aliens, and they nag you, but they don't shoot at you, and you can bounce into them. Like, that's another thing about Sinistar, is it's a game where you don't blow up. Like, if you smack into them, you smack an asteroid, you can just bounce off stuff. You essentially have 100% shields. You're only going to get hurt by Sinistar or by being shot by things, but these little aliens don't shoot. But what they do do, do-do, huh, I said do-do, yeah. they, um, they, 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 they nag you and they steal your crystals and they use the crystals not to make Cinnabombs, but to actually manufacture Sinistar, which is basically a huge, angry alien head in space, <laughs> kind of like a like a Death Star with a face. Right. So the and the, oh, then there's other aliens, which are the warriors. So unlike the workers, they actually shoot at you. And so that's the scene. You're flying around frantically shooting at these asteroids, trying to make bombs. And meanwhile, you have to fend off the warrior ships that are trying to shoot you. And you're also trying to keep the workers from stealing the crystals. And like that's the setting. But then at some point, those those little crystals, they, the workers would have stolen enough, like 20 of them, I think, to make Sinistar. They're using those to build his pieces. And then eventually, no matter what happens, Sinistar is going to get built. And that's where the real fun begins in the game. Because a voice, and that's what set this game apart, this digitized voice suddenly yells, Beware, I live. It's awesome. <laughs> and then, um, Sinistar, this big angry head in space, starts to hunt you. And your normal lasers that you've been shooting the enemies, they do nothing. Suddenly, what do you do? Well, you, the only thing that could hurt him are these Cinnabombs that you've hopefully been collecting. So that's the whole, the whole idea is now Sinistar is coming also faster than you, can only be hurt by these bombs. Once you do hopefully defeat Sinistar, you then warp to the next zone. And there's four different zones. And each time they, they each have their own characteristics. And each time it gets a little faster. And then you just go through the, the, the waves of the zones over and over again. Um, and that's the game. So it's a space shooter. It's exactly the sort of game that the Pac-Man designer was trying to rail against and say, oh, I'm sick of these space shooters. Let's do a, a fun game more for the whole family. And this is a game that screw the whole family. We're defending the earth. We're shooting the big face in space. It's awesome. Love this game. I love this game, Mike. 
out of the game. Clearly, clearly. And, and see, this it's interesting for me to hear all of this because I never... <laughs> was some of this news to you? Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> Basically, what would happen when I played this game was I would just sort of shoot at the little ships and Sinistar would show up and kill me immediately. <laughs> and he eats you. Yeah, well... Yeah, there's there's no there's no him shooting your shields down. If it touches you once, you're dead. Yep, you just pulled in, you spin, yeah. and you're crunched into his mouth, and 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 you you die. Yeah. So I never I never I never hit Sinistar with a single shot. So I so ne- you actually knew- got pretty good score then. <laughs> I guess I did. Yes, I never knew what happened after after that. That's crazy. And yeah. and the thing is, like, there's all these little subtle things. Like, you can, they'll keep rebuilding Sinistar. If you shoot a bunch of parts of him and then run away, like, the workers will grab more bits and then rebuild his face. And he'll, and he talks during it all. And, yeah, and, it's, um, it's yeah. A, a pretty high energy game. And there's a whole lot of stuff going on at the screen. If this is not a game you've played before, uh, it can be <laughs> difficult to track some of that stuff. Which I, I forgot that, yeah, you had never even played. And arcade games don't come with instructions. You just have to sit well, down and they, figure it they out. They sort of do. I mean, most of the games have the uh, have the artwork around the the actual screen that that say you know, step one fire at this, step two go here, and right. that sort of thing. Um, you should have read that. <laughs> apparently, I should have. <laughs> um, yeah, this was the thing. Is though, I I when I was playing this, I, this this game, the mechanics of the game look familiar you know and, and i think this has sort of been a, a thing that's been copied a lot it sort of reminded me a little bit of asteroids mm-hmm. um but i guess there was a windows version of this game um well it was ported i don't think it was ported hugely to, like to other arcade systems but subsequently once it got like a following by the 90s and stuff i think it started appearing on so it had um, sort of a, a a retro rebirth Right, yes, exactly. And then it got Sinistar Unleashed, I think. Yeah, Sinistar Unleashed for Windows, which came out in 99, and that's actually where I sort of remember it. My One of my roommates had this game for Windows, and I remember him playing a lot of it. And see, that, and there's an example of a game, like we've talked in the last few episodes about how you take these, these gloriously simple retro games and console games from the 80s, and they remake them in the 90s with crappy 3D models, and it just... It's just such a letdown. But Sinistar Unleashed is actually a fun game. Like it, it right away when you look at it, you think, "Oh God, it's another you know quasi three D remake of a classic game." But they kept all the fun of the gameplay, and I think that was most of people complaining about it were like, "Oh, it's just kind of Sinistar again." But they they kept the frantic nature and the pick up and playability of it. Um, and I actually found it a really fun game. It's one of the few like late nineties remakes of a console system that I or. Uh, an arcade cabinet that I actually would recommend. It's actually fun to play. Now, have you played uh, Genistar? I have never even heard of that. Genistar is apparently a Java remake. Um, and it looks like this project was kicked off by a guy named Will Nays uh, earlier this year in February. Uh, he said he's, uh, he'd been recently inspired to recreate the notoriously difficult 1982 classic Sinistar in the object-oriented oriented environment of java the williams electronic space shooter innovated in several ways including the use of uh, usage of stereo sound and a 49-way joystick um, and he has a git repository where you can check out the progress of his development i have not played this so i can't speak to how good or bad it is or whether it's even something that you can play right now i say it is <laughs> okay. that's what i say i yeah. say go and play it I think that's pretty awesome. And you, he makes a good point. Like that, We were talking about the 49-position optical joystick necessary for your maneuverability. But also, the uh, Sinistar is, and I, and I, I did just check it, <laughs> well, according to uh, the, the interwebs anyway, it was the first 
um, arcade game to feature true stereo sound, hmm. but only in the cockpit cabinet. Uh, Sinistar came in two versions, the standard upright cabinet and also one of those environmental cabinets, the cockpits you sit down in with a roof and stuff. And it was the cockpit cabinet was true stereo. It had two different soundboards, one for the left and one for the right. So it had full stereo sound wow. for, the, for the voice when he says, Run, coward! Run, coward! I hunger. Yes, it, it, Sinistar did, did enjoy taunting me as I... <laughs> did you run? Did you run like a coward? Well, I tried to. <laughs> oh, speaking of run, coward, did you know that this game was codenamed Opie Star? I did not. I didn't know anything and, about this game. And I so. guess because <laughs> the joke inside Williams was that Sinistar sounded like he was saying, Ron Howard. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. That's funny. I think it's totally funny. I love the voice. I just love this guy's voice. I, it turns out it was a fellow named John Doramus. And I, I am not aware of who he is other than it seems so again, according to the Internet, he is best known for The Passing Parade, which is a radio series in the 50s and 60s. Hmm. OK, I've never heard of it. Neither have I. Oh, well, but there were over 1500 episodes. So he did a lot of those. Says he also provided the voiceover for NFL Films highlight package for Super Bowl Twenty One. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he did that when they were like they they do a run, 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 <laughs> <He'll> throw, <laughs> pass, pass, pass. How random! <laughs> it's, uh, it's the voice. I mean, that's the thing that sets this game apart. Like each of the games we've talked about so far, the few have had like that thing that made them like, hey, what's going on with there? Like the like, oh, look at the maze game, and that's different. It's not a shoot 'em up thing. Or or Donkey Kong having the whole plot. And and banging at the beginning and that cartoon becoming the stage for your first the first screens you're playing on. Mm-hmm. And for this game, it was, you know, you're playing at a game a few games down, say at the arcade, and you're hearing this voice yell from the game. <laughs> that was just that's something that really set it out. Having that digitized voice angrily yell during the game was just awesome. That's funny. I say. Yes. I love it. I love it. So did you read about the two hundred and fifty five lives bug in uh, this game? No, I did not. So supposedly, um, and this is one of those things where I might have had a, a good run this week, but even back when I used to play it in the arcade um, and did better, I used to frequently get over a million, I think, um, I would never even get close to this. But it turns out, like, when Sinistar grabs you and he, and he sucks your ship into his face and he chews you, you're going to lose a life. And there's also those warrior aliens who shoot, and, and if one of their um, bullets hit you, you're going to lose a life. So if you time it... So you're on your very last life. You've only got one life to give. <laughs> and Sinistar grabs you. And while you're being chewed, one of the warrior bullets hits you. It'll kill you, bringing you down to zero lives. Then Sinistar will gulp you, bringing you to minus one lives, <laughs> which scrolls you over, and now you have 255 lives. But it's a crazily dangerous maneuver. You've got to because because the warriors won't shoot at you once Sinistar has grabbed you. So you've got to time it so they shoot first, then you get grabbed and are positioned so that a bullet still hits you. Well, maybe that would have helped me this time. <laughs> then you'd have tons <laughs> of lives to play. Somehow, I doubt I would have done much better, even with two hundred fifty-five lives. Uh, oh yeah, like uh, yeah, it's no. I can I can't even <laughs> imagine trying to time that. I'd even try. Like that's just that's crazy beyond my my level of gameplay so it looks like there were going there were actually were some plan ports for this game really uh, yeah they were it says that they were going to do the atari 2600 and atari 8-bit computers and that the games were almost completed but the uh, video game crash of 1983 pretty much wiped out all their plans for that mm. so yeah i can see that i know there was one 
Um, the BBC Micro had the one version Death Star that came out mid '80s, but then they stopped. They basically Atari, I think, dropped support for the BBC Micro, mm. and so they. What what I find funny about that is so in 1985 they've got this game, but they they want to avoid copyright infringement, so they're not going to call it Sinistar. They call it Death Star. And the <laughs> idea that you'd oh let's not have copyright problems, let's just change it to a Lucasfilm property, and that avoids copyright. Yeah, try that nowadays. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Because Lucas wants Lucas wants to, or I guess Disney now, but yeah, yeah, like just crazy. So and and I've never played that, but um, from what I've read online, it was actually a really good, really frantic, fun game for the for the twenty six hundred. So or sorry for the BBC Micro. So. Looks like there are several ways to play it now if you want to, and you don't want to play the old MAME ROMs. Uh, it's part of the Midway Arcade Treasures, which has been released for the Xbox, Nintendo, GameCube, and PlayStation Two. Um, and then also on the PC in 2003 and 2004, and part of Midway Arcade Treasures extended play for the PSP in 2005. Well, that's a lot of ways to play. It is, yep. And it's a twitchy, twitchy game. <laughs> and it looks like it's also part of uh, the Shockwave Arcade Collection, a Macromedia Shockwave port. I couldn't find that, though. I, and I read the same thing, that... that that I guess when Shockwave was first making its making its way into the public consciousness, I, I remember those days Ugh, of yeah, Shockwave things and, and see this, the days of so CD awful. and stuff. <laughs> and I guess it was one of the first, like it was like a big promotion thing. It was like, hey, you can go play Sinistar online, that kind of stuff. And I've looked on the Shockwave site, which still exists in all the online games, but I couldn't find it. So it looks hmm. like it's not there anymore. I found lots of mention and lots of links to it, but they all seem to be dead. So for some reason, it seems to have either lapsed or been taken down or just, you know, been redirected incorrectly or something. I didn't see any note about it being taken down officially. It just maybe the site's been updated and nobody went looking for it for a few years. Ah, uh, internet, how I love you. <laughs> it doesn't love you back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so anyway, this game... The games we've talked about previously have been, you know, the big names. When mm-hmm. when when you got people like when you got games like Donkey Kong and Burger Time even, and also Pac Man, we're talking like the the biggest names. And while I love this game, this wasn't as big of a hit or as big of a name as those games. It developed a real cult following afterwards. The people who love it do really really love it, like like me. But it's not one of those you know, your mom's heard of it sort of games, even though that voice in particular has been sampled and used in movies and TV shows and that kind of stuff, that that, that voice, which is its trademark, um, shows up in places. But it's not a game that's, you know, massively huge. But here's my question for you, Mike. Mm. We're assembling the Mike McGinnis Memorial Arcade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've killed you for this story. Just go with it. Go Excellent. With it. So, but you, on corner. your deathbed, get to pick which games go in the Mike McGinnis Memorial Arcade. <laughs> We've only got room for 20, 25 games. We're narrowing it down. Does Sinistar, in its environmental cabinet with its true stereo sound, does it make it, does it get a space in the Mike McGinnis Memorial Arcade? Not mine. No. Oh. No, I'm taking this one out in the back and shooting it and burying it. <laughs> I, this was a frustrating game for me. It really was. Right. I'm like, what am I doing? And and um, and then then I get emails like, uh, "Beware my high score" and fun <laughs> things like that from my podcast. Who would send you that? Gee, I have no idea. So what have we really learned here, kids, about Carrington? He's either really good at games or he really sucks at them. <laughs> really, really sucks. Um, for me. If I was running what we're going to call the Carrington Vanson Mike McGinnis Memorial (laughs) Arcade, because I'm killing you for my arcade too. (laughs) No matter what, we kill you for the arcade. Um, This gets, I would put a Sinistar environmental cabinet before I would put any of the other games, before Pac-Man even. 
Like for me, this is one of my favorite games of all time. I, I remembered loving it, but I forgot how much I loved it until I played it this week. Like how much of a connection I had to this game. I adore the gameplay of this thing. Well, you this played is, this a lot as a child, didn't you? Oh, I played it as an adult <laughs> and maybe <laughs> as a child as well. Or maybe I just had a glandular problem oh, and just look yes. young for my age. You don't know, Mike. <laughs> don't judge me. Um, I did. Yeah, I played this. I think I talked last week that I went to high school and the first high school I went to, I was only there for about two weeks or so. And during that two week period, uh, I think every day at lunch. So we're talking 10 days, but still in a kid, 10 days is a lot. Sure. I would go over to this little um, local restaurant and out front it had a few games, a little mini arcade area. And that's where I first started playing Sinistar. It was out on Young Street. And across the street, there was a, a computer reseller and this big... Um, uh, it was like a big mirrored building that later became a, a skate sharpening place, and I and I purchased some of the first video games that I ever purchased for my own computers there. So it's a it's a whole area of Toronto that's a lot of nostalgia for me when it comes to games and technology, and so that you know that resonates because that's where I first learned to play this game and that kind of stuff. It's one of the first games I did really really good at. Um, I just adored it. So yeah, I have a good connection to it. I love the gameplay. There's something about this game that just resonates for me. And, and I love that voice, that run, coward, or now I say Ron Howard. <laughs> so <laughs> I just I just adore it. For me, this is a no-brainer. Definitely makes it into the, into the oh, oh, darn, Mike is dead arcade. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I died doing what I loved, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to rename it Flynn's, though. If you can have an arcade, you got to call it Flynn's. Yeah. So anyway, I love it. Definitely. For me, definitely a big, big win. But I get how it's not everybody's game. <laughs> well, and the, the thing is, uh, uh, Williams games have a, a very distinctive, I don't know what it is about them, but like when I drop a quarter into Williams game, I don't even have to know going up to it that it's a game by Williams. Once you, once you see the graphics and hear the sound, you know it's them. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was just one of those games for me. I, I was not aware that Williams made it until I started playing it. I'm like, oh, this is... This is Williams. And oh, it's one of them. I wouldn't have said yes. <laughs> that's right. I would not have agreed to it. No, well, I'm sure we will talk about other ones like Joust and stuff. Gonna, sure. Yeah. Those definitely are, get, get, gonna deserve shows. Those are on the list, but they're not up next. No. What What could be next? What well, have you chosen to beat me at? Well, we actually had a suggestion from one of our one of our five Facebook fans. Lovely. Um, actually, I, I, that would be four Facebook fans since I can't really count myself. And I haven't um, become one yet. Either, no, so. you don't like I should. Enough. I should fan us. I like our show. <laughs> you don't like I would enough. listen. Uh, so we'll play a little sound sample right here. Well, uh, next week we will be playing, well, this week, uh, this upcoming week, we will be playing Xevious. This is a good game. Uh, is it? I don't know. This is another one I haven't played before. You've never played Xevious? No. That's crazy, dude. I bet you have. I bet you when you see it, you'll recognize the gameplay. You must have played this game. There's no way. I doubt it. You ha- No, you, you have. <laughs> oh, oh, I have. <laughs> you, have. <laughs> you were there. <laughs> it's another little spaceship game, but this time it's a little top-down flying over terrain, and it's one of the games that has you know forward shooting against the flying enemies and also dropping bombs against the, the ground-based ones with great... It's, it's very early. We're talking about a game from, I think, 82, 83. We'll look it up eventually. We'll know more facts next week. But um, even for that time, it's got this really cool 3D sort of look to some of the things on the ground, especially some of the things floating in the sky, little rotating things and stuff. Mm-hmm. Really, really interesting quasi 3D look to this game. Really advanced graphics for, for its time. Great. And we'd like to thank Randall Gelking for making the suggestion on Facebook. It's a good one. This yeah. is a good suggestion. Yep. So I'm looking forward to playing this. I'm going to beat you.
I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not. I, actually, I was I was never very good at this one. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think that's about all I have to say. I mean, like I said, this is not one that I've played before, and it's not one I'm going to play again anytime yes, soon. Yes, it is, because after Xevious, I think next week, we're going to go do Sinistar Revisited. We're going to come back and do it again. <laughs> yes, because we've put out so much great content at this point that we need to start revisiting the old titles. Well, I think in the meantime, though, people should go off and play Xevious. And um, if I remember, and I'm going to resist the temptation to go on the net and look at it, Xevious is a game with Easter eggs. Ooh. It's a game that has, that has uh, hidden stuff that you can find while you're playing in the arcade. Well, I'm sure I probably won't find it, but I will think about it while I'm playing. Yep, so that, that's what I've played in my mind is play the game this week, folks, kids out there listening, and try to find some Easter eggs during the game. I'm pretty sure this has some. Yep. We will. Hopefully I haven't steered everybody wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime, everybody, have a, a great great week gaming, and uh, we'll see you next time. Absolutely. See you, Mike. Bye, Carrington. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, all the original material in this show is released to the public domain. I am Sinistar.